Welcome into the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon Bear. Sorry about the really weird music today. <laughs> punk. I'm not completely sorry. You know, I've come, I've come to just like surrender <laughs> the, mu- <laughs> the music thing to you. I've, I've just come to like have zero expectations. Such freedom there, right? Or even knowing what you're going to do <laughs> or play. And it's really all based on your moods. Yeah, kind of. You know, you kind of pick a song based on your mood. Your mood's pretty <laughs> consistent, so it's <clears throat> upbeat. You usually kind of, you know, you're not a very moody person, I would say. Well, thanks, man. You know, so one of the traditions we have in our home, mm-hmm. at least I think in my head, uh, is a tradition is um, if I'm in a good mood, somebody needs a cup of coffee and you fix it for them, you get to pick the mug out of the pantry that you think represents them in the moment. Really? Yeah, like we have so many That's coffee fun. cups in right, our, right. you know, like we have just a ton. Different colors, shapes, sizes, you know, like we have a lot of coffee drinkers in our house. Mm-hmm. Yada yada. So if you came over and you're like, "Hey, you want a cup of coffee?" Yeah, and I'd go to fix it, I would l- pick the mug based on nice. Like the mood or like what I thought represented you. Like a spirit mug. Like a spirit mug. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a world's greatest dad mug? I have something similar. I have a huge mug. Like you could fit like three cups of coffee in it. Nice. And it says like Paul's, you know, big mug or something. <laughs> <laughs> my kids had it made for me. That's awesome. Yeah, because I was like, look, I have my a, a regular size coffee cup looks really small in my hands. That's so, a good point. I never so, thought about that. So I was like, can y'all just get me a mug that looks like a normal cup? <laughs> in my hand, but it's big cup, you know. So well, I have to tell you, uh, they did that random story. But my um, my kids and I are getting into the end of the NBA season, anticipating the playoffs. Yeah, the playoffs are coming in a new way, mainly because the Pelicans are doing really well, um, sort of well. Well, they're gonna make it. They're gonna make it to this new play-in. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe to the playoffs. But you're you're kind of a normal average basketball fan in a sense of like you're going to tune in towards the end of the season correct yeah. correct well uh anyway the pelicans were playing the uh clippers the other night and the the news i was going at the bottom before the game was that paul george was gonna have to miss the game yeah he did he was injured mm-hmm. and uh my kids just lost it they can't believe it <laughs> they lost it yes there is a player in the nba <laughs> named paul george and look here's the thing we look nothing alike yeah uh, i mean he's taller um, more handsome, a um, little bit darker than I am, mm-hmm. and very, uh, could I say, uh, just probably richer than I am. Yeah. I would. I, mean, I, would, I don't know for sure, but. No, I know for sure. Okay. <laughs> based on his NBA salary <laughs> compared to like. Well, you don't know how much he saves. He, might, the, he might blow it all. I don't know. The, well, that's true. Uh, but, yeah, I'm under the assumption that he's probably – has more money it's a good than assumption, yeah, yeah, based on his contract, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's but, a huge uh, gap between his contract and mine. Massive. Like, yeah. not even close. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. But you my know, kid, John, saw the name on the bottom of the screen. He says, Dad! Dad! Yeah. Well, I, I did go, maybe it was last year, year before, you know, it all gets tied together. I went to check in at a hotel in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and... um so I just check in, normal. You know, I'm going to speak somewhere, and uh, guys, uh, have you? I, what's your name? And uh, I, I just tell him, and you know, he's not really looking up; he's just typing in the computer. 
and then he finds you know Paul George in the computer and then uh, he looks up at me and he just sighs he's like <sighs> and he goes I go were you hoping it was another Paul George and he he laughed he goes yeah actually when I saw your name in the computer I actually was like hoping that it would be the NBA player Paul George and uh, I looked at him and I said uh, just just straight up it was I said look if Paul George the NBA player was here in town he would not be staying at the Courtyard Marriott just <laughs> FYI like that's not where he would be laying his head yeah that's a he'd good... be at the Ritz Carlton downtown or the or like build himself a hotel just for the visit. I don't know. I don't know what rich people do. So, yeah, neither. Do I, but I know what they don't do. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Like yeah. NBA players don't roll up at the the courtyard. You know, right? The Holiday Inn Express. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they just don't. So they anyway, just, just you got don't. a great week coming up, man. We you know kicking off Holy Week this Sunday with Big Holy week. Sunday, um, Holy Week next week. I mean, I could never be more excited for Lent to be over. <laughs> Good Personally, for you. I'm going to enter into Holy Week, but with my sights set on Easter. Um, so anyway, uh, do you have a have you seen? What did you say? That is so interesting. Oh, for real though? This one's crazy to me. They're all crazy to you. It's true. But this one's crazy. Okay. Have you seen uh, this woman in France... She her name is Jean Pouchet. I, I think, have not I think seen I'm saying that right. Mm-hmm. Jean has been in a court battle for three years. Okay. Because three years ago, the 58 year old woman um, was declared dead, mm. but she's not. Okay. And the problem is, like, she's clearly not dead. There she is. Did somebody impersonate her death or file a death certificate trying to pretend to be her? Like, what happened? So, <clears throat> she she was declared deceased in 2017 um, at the end of a legal dispute with an employee that she had. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she owned a cleaning company. And somehow, the, the, there was a paperwork mishap. And they filed her death certificate? <laughs> that, that declared her dead. Even though there's no death certificate, but like she was declared dead in court. Well, you know, there's been a theme on our show, you know, the last right. few weeks. You're dead to me. Right. Well, she really is dead to like all of France. Really? But not to herself. Right. I don't think she considers herself dead. She doesn't identify as dead. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, literally, yeah, there, there was a, an error in the filing of the paperwork. But right. since it was judicial and like official... She's officially legally dead, and it's caused a lot of problems that you wouldn't think of. Hmm. So, for example, um, her car was uh, commandeered, which is what happens when a person dies. They take it. it she had a, a note on it, so they took it. Um, you know, if you're paying a note and you die, I guess they take it. Yeah. Uh, her ability to do banking is really difficult as a dead person. Okay. Yes. I would assume that. <clears throat> um Paying taxes and filing them, pretty so, tough. So is there some, is there, did you have to like refile to 
be alive again. Well, that's what she's doing for three years now, is trying to get herself alive again within the same court system that declared her dead. Mm. Like you have to get a new, you know, social security number and, you know, all that. That's crazy yeah. to me. Um, well, here's the deal, man. <laughs> she's clearly not dead. <laughs> well. There she is. I think. I mean, I think that's a beautiful analogy for Holy Week. I mean, I really do. I mean, we've talked about it over and over again, and I'm tired of hitting my head on the wall about this, Adam. <laughs> There's certain parts of our life that in Lent should die. Yeah. They need to die. Yeah. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like, and we rise to new life, and we begin new habits and virtues of faith, right, with, with, with grace moving us forward not everything that's why we have lent every year that that we're a work in progress that conversion is ongoing that we are continuing on this path that god's in the struggles and our joys and sorrows like this is the whole point of being imperfect and human but walking with christ but we must commit to the reality that in the spiritual life old things must die Mm -hmm. bad things must die bad habits sinful ways must die and there there should be parts of our life where we're not recognizable anymore like you know like oh that part of my life is dead i can't get it back i shouldn't want it back Mm -hmm. yeah i mean next next week next friday is good friday the first time that the world declared god dead Hmm. we did it Hmm. and uh three days later he was not dead just like jean right he's like i'm clearly not dead and ever since, the world continues to proclaim God is dead. Hmm. He came, look, God came to earth, but he's dead. He didn't win. He wasn't who he said he was. He's gone. And yet our Lord continue, and the apostles continue to declare the opposite, that God is not dead, that our Lord is risen and will never die again. And um, he's fully alive. And those that meet him believe it, right? Like if you met John, it might take that to actually believe she's alive. Right. <laughs> like see her, talk to her, touch her. Exactly. Here she is. She's not dead. Um, but the court, for whatever reason, still won't buy it. And just like in the same way, our, our world just doesn't buy, mm. it doesn't want to believe that God is alive and moving and working in our life. And so we have in our in our life this battle in us of this world and of the truth of us really believing that God is alive in every part of our life. Like he's alive when I woke up this morning, he's in my life. When I walked into my living room, he's in my life. When I'm talking with my spouse, he's in my life. When I go to pray, he's alive in there. We have to be convinced of God's status as a living God throughout our day, every day, you know? And I think Holy Week captures that exactly, that God died, but he's not dead. Mm. And he's alive, and he continues to be alive. And this is this is what the church is here to remind us of and proclaim. That's what makes us Christian. I mean, we believe that that God did not die, like he rose, right? And of course, we'll we'll get you know into that to this the Easter season, you know, in, in the Pentecost. But uh, you know, how did the apostles know this? They witnessed the resurrection. They witnessed the death, and although they scattered, they witnessed the resurrection. They saw it firsthand, and the reality is, you know, as I'm leading, the, you know, the I have three men's groups I'm leading and are a part of during Lent. Some great groups and other Bible studies. And the one thing, you know, one of the themes that we're talking about that's just coming up naturally in all of our lives, you know, and in the guys' lives is uh, certain parts of our life that need to die. 
but certain parts of our life that need healing. Mm-hmm. Okay. And in, in the healing process of our woundedness, of our sinfulness and our brokenness, right? Whether that was done to us or we've done things to ourselves, whatever the case may be, is that in faith, we believe that when we're dealing with suffering or healing or whatever, that God is with us in there. Like, so the cross teaches that, that God is in, in this with us, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, he's in the sea, in the boat, in the waves. He's, he's in our time with us that we're struggling and walking through this healing process. But also in faith, we believe that we will arrive at a place where we will be healed. Right, that that we will have new life. That that I will no longer walk, you know, with this crutch, with this wound, with this trauma. You know, will I be totally healed? No, not till heaven. But I can see in the future through through faith that God will heal me in this process. We got to believe that, mm-hmm. right? Because that that is faith. The apostles knew that because they witnessed it. They witnessed the death, the resurrection, and the healing of Christ through their um, you know, through the Holy Spirit. I think what you're saying really strikes at the heart of Holy Week, according to Jesus, because as we know, our Lord gave his final sermon from the cross. Mm-hmm. And since it was extremely difficult to say anything because of what he would have to, the strength he would have to muster to speak, his seven last phrases or the seven last words of our Lord were a very well-chosen final sermon. Mm-hmm. And one of them was to quote Psalm 22, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting that Psalm and you read, you pray with it, Psalm 22, and then the following Psalm 23, but it's, it's that exact dynamic. I, in the eyes of this world, in the eyes of, of, of the drama of sin and, and brokenness and healing and woundedness and, and the stuff of life apart from God, in that drama... I am abandoned, or I am uh, going through this very difficult time, and I'm I'm left to die. Hmm. But God does not abandon me. Hmm. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, because he's at my side. And that's the key. He's not dead anymore. He's risen. He is at our side in the valley, at our side in the, in the suffering we're going through, in, in the valley of tears in this life. That's where he is. And because he's here... I have hope that he's leading me to salvation. That if I stay with him, I will be saved in the end. That there's no... This is the prayer Christ prayed to his Father on the cross. He trusted his Father, even in the midst of the greatest feelings of abandonment and loss. Mm -hmm. He trusted him. And in the end, his Father raises him from the dead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's so much hope in this week. And we experience it all. Like, this is the week where... We experience the highs and lows of the Christian life, right? You know, the crucifixion, the death, you, you know, and the resurrection, you know, all within a week. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's called Holy Week. It's the holiest of all weeks. But this is really a mirror image of what our life is in mm-hmm. Christ. It is the the joys and the sorrows and that Christ is consistently with us. Uh, and yet we, we don't live in a grave forever. We don't live uh, in death forever, that there is a new life in our hearts. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Healthcare that works better and costs less? Seems like an oxymoron, right? Take a minute and check out our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare. Members say that faith-based 
health sharing is a much better fit than insurance, all while costing less. Prices start at $384 a month for families. Call now to see how much you can save. 844-387-8533. That's 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. Great to be with you, Paul George, Deacon, Adam Kong in studio. Hey, hey, hey. It's so funny. Like we were talking at the break, like you can't get over this. Sto- like you, it's like you have this real compassion for this woman who, who lost her identity. Like it doesn't bother me at all. Like I'm just like that kind of stinks. And you're you're like, man, can you believe this happened? Well, I'm thinking through the ramifications this poor lady's living through. Yeah, for three years. Mm-hmm. And, okay, uh, I did think about it. Like, is if anybody's ever lost their wallet, their purse, their wallet, you lose all your credit cards, you know, mm-hmm. your money, your identity, right? Your mm-hmm. your license you do feel really helpless. Like I can't buy anything or go anywhere. No, I can't get on a plane. I can't do anything. Nobody knows who I am. And you have to go and refile all that. Like, so then you have to get like bills that match your name and an address because then you don't, cause you don't have an ID. Mm-hmm. It is a weird feeling for a moment, whether that be like a couple of days, you feel like you're like this alien. Right. Right. But she's been dealing with this for three years. Yeah. You mentioned flying. I imagine if she tries to get a passport, nothing, she has nothing like, well, she should have old Shows documents here dead. and stuff. That's the thing. But, well, you know, wait, he, you know, here's the, what's her name? Jean. Okay, Jean. He, here's the uh, good news for Jean is that, you know, like, although she's going through this suffering, there's new life. That's right. You know? And she's not alone. She's not alone. You know? Uh, yeah. It, it, it's going to happen. There will be an end. There, there will be an end. Can you imagine the party when she's finally declared alive that she's going to throw with her husband and son and maybe friends? I don't know. I don't know. Like, can you imagine being brought back to life? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, no, I can't. But, <laughs> you know, we were reading last last week about Lazarus coming mm-hmm. back to life. You know, like... Yeah. Like, literally coming back to life. Like this, And it's a foreshadowing of Easter, of, of what's going to happen, you know, through Christ's death and resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and this is where faith as Christians come in, is like we got to believe that, that the resurrection for us is is not only real in Christ but like in our life like as as Jesus lives in us new life abounds like and old things pass away like we we experience freedom and hope and purpose in our life i mean you know through through it all like and, and here's the thing i'm reminded of like all the guys that you know as we're journeying together is like the 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 reality that we're going to like arrive at like this perfect life or this you know perfect situations or like our life is no longer messy or, or hard is just not reality. Right. Yeah. But in the midst of that, in the midst of whatever our life and circumstances are, we can have peace and freedom, joy and hope, you know, through the, the joys and, and sufferings and sorrows and, and laughter and all of it, you know, does this ever happen to you where you're talking to a friend who asked you for some advice, let's say, and then something comes out of your mouth that you know God wanted you to hear. Yeah. Like, that happens to me often, but mm. not too long ago, I was talking to a friend who was needed some advice on something, and I told him, you know, no matter what happens, no one can take the freedom you have 
to follow Jesus. Hmm. But it was that scenario you were just talking about. Like, if you wait for everything to be just right in your life, for this person to agree with you, or that person to let you do that, or my job situation to be just perfect, or my marriage to be better, or my parish to be more whatever, um, you're, you're really missing the whole point, is that no matter what happens, you're free to follow Jesus with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength, and hmm. nothing can take that away. Nothing. That's interesting. You know, a friend of mine was sharing with me a new word. He's in counseling, and uh, they identified basically like a... It's been great because he's been very just authentic and open with me. Uh, they identified basically like a... Almost like a, a mental disorder in a sense mm-hmm. uh, that on how if you've experienced trauma in your life and you become an adult, you've never dealt with it. So the word, I think it's called catastrophizing catastrophizing yeah so like you basically like something happens and all of a sudden in your mind you make a up a scenario of like everything just like being a catastrophe mm-hmm. you know like today was hard at work and all of a sudden in your mind you're like i'm losing my job i'm gonna be bankrupt and i'm gonna be homeless like you just go to like to drastic measures in your mind hmm. almost preparing yourself for the worst mm-hmm. but it's a disorder like it, it there's no right thinking in there like it there's a, the huge gaps missing from like, oh, I had a bad day at work and my boss reprimanded me to me being homeless. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's real in his mind. Like he, he literally like makes up these scenarios in his mind. Now he's, now he's aware of it and he's started working through that process. It's kind of cool. But, you know, we do that in general a lot of times in our life. It's like we just, you know, like things are way worse than what we, you know, the, what they really are, mm-hmm. you know. And yet, you know, the reality is that that uh, Jesus doesn't want us to live that way. Mm-hmm. You know, like he, he, he wants us to like just invite him into the moment and be a part of the moment, you know, and that's that's the beauty of it. You know, one of the guys in the group shared this week, um, he said, you know, I'm working on joy and laughter. And, and, and he goes, I, you know, one of the things I've never thought about is what does God's laugh sound like? <laughs> and I was like, that's a great, you know, sort of image you know, to think about and pray with. He's like, does God laugh? And if so, what does it sound like? What does his joy look like and sound like? And I began to really ponder that, like, the last couple of days because, he, you know, he had talked about it as something that, you know, has just been coming up for him. And I was like, you know, you need to pray about that. When you find the answer, let me know. But this is this is the movement in the Easter. Like, what does authentic joy look like? What does God's laughter sound like you know we hear in scripture that he wept you know he preached we we can sort of imagine his words through through christ but what is his laughter like you know what is it you know and of course there's like these funny images of like paintings of jesus laughing it looks Mm -hmm. like surfer jesus this is like really (laughs) hipster jesus like laughing is like i I don't know like you know what was it yeah yeah hopefully it wasn't um it wouldn't be shocking to us like there's a priest friend of mine Father Stephen, who uh, his laugh is infamous because mm-hmm. it's it's remarkable. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if it's something like that. <laughs> it it could be, uh, but I think you know I've been pondering a lot. I think the joy of the Lord, like the Father's laughter, mm-hmm. you know, um, through the Holy Spirit, is this deep joy that we feel. We maybe had it at times where you've, you're experiencing so much joy and laughter that you think about nothing else. Yeah. And that's rare for us as humans because, particularly as we become an adult, 
we are so used to stopping the joy in our life because we're we're we know that life's too hard to experience too much joy that it's going to be bad that tomorrow something bad's a flat tire or this or that or yada yada and so we don't experience the full joy in the moment and i'm just not convinced that that's how we're supposed to live all the time right it's true so if you think about like some of my most joyful moments in a sense of like not thinking about say okay a baby's born you know i've had five you know and and you you have nine uh, it's a joyful moment, mm-hmm. right? But immediately, as an adult, at least like, oh, the baby, oh, this is joyful. Oh, is it okay? Right. Is it going to be well? So you see what I'm saying? Like we yeah. have these joy in the moments, but like we're we're an adult now. We start thinking about all the things that could go wrong mm-hmm. because like, okay, what could happen? Is the baby safe? And then the whole first year we don't sleep. Did it, you know, is it okay in its sleep? You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But it wakes up and we're like, oh, this is joy. But you know, so the moments of lasting joy that I can think about is think about when you're a kid mm-hmm. and you just play and you have no worries. You're laughing with friends and you have no concern because there's, you know, nothing. You don't think about anything bad happening. You don't think about like where food's going to come from or where. And this is what Jesus says, like, be like little children, not only humble like little children, but like like the joy of little children. They have no worries about anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I- I've seen that. Mostly in adults in uh, religious communities that are uh, living religious life well. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of joy you see. In, that's where I've seen it the most. Let's say, yeah, because there is a freedom. You know, when you're when you're a brother or sister in one of these communities, and you have, uh, it's very clear what you need to be doing at every moment. And, and they've detached. You know, they've detached. Like, they've detached from a lot of the things of the world that that we uh, still have and live with. You know, yeah, but they have built in. Um, they have built-in mechanisms to move them from one thing to the next in their day mm-hmm. where they literally don't have to worry about anything. If you think about it that way, right? Like they know what they should be doing and then some bell rings to tell them when they need to go to the next thing. Right. <laughs> and so they just live that way. If they go, if there's recreation time, they just go recreate, not caring about what time it is. Mm-hmm. They don't have a watch on. Until they hear the bell, they're, they're going to have fun. They're going to play basketball and do whatever. But then when the bell hits, oh, it's time to go eat. Yeah. And and they do experience like the ups and downs of life, but they are detached. They don't have family, kids, bills, you know, like things like that. Like right. you know what I'm saying? Like their yeah. rhythm of life and, and that is a certain holiness that they're called to, right? Right. And and their joy is a sign of God's joy to us. Exactly. Know, when we look at them. And it can be imitated. You know, I think if if in my I know in my home we've tried to imitate that kind of life as much as we can where mm-hmm. decisions are made either in a systematic way, like here's what we do every day at this time. Right. Or in a way that's, you know, let's say every Sunday my wife and I talk about the coming week to make as many decisions as we can ahead of time. Right. So that in the moments of our day, in the experience of our home, we can have greater freedom where we're moving from one thing to the next that's Mm -hmm. already been decided. Right. And we could simply enjoy what we're doing without worrying about what's going to happen next, what's going to happen next, what do I need to do next? Mm. And it, it actually makes a huge difference. And it's not, I mean, it is about family management, sure, but to live a contemplative life, to live a life where you're focused on the joy of the Lord and the joy of living as a family, hmm. we have to free the free ourselves from the anxieties of the world as much as we can. Right. We're going to have them, right? but there is a certain way to have them in, in a way of freedom Yeah, that lets you live in the moment. Right. You know? Yeah, that's right. For sure. Um, you know... Um, I'm going to share with you one, the most one of the most hidden gospels ever. Whoa! Yeah, okay. sort of a weird Catholic stuff, but not not. 
Okay. Okay. So we, we celebrate the, um, the Passion of the Lord uh, mm-hmm. this Sunday, and Palm Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the longest readings on the planet, right? <laughs> so, like, if you guys know for Mass, like, and if you have small kids, they're looking at you like, are we still standing, right? Like, it's one of those. And it's the whole Passion, uh, you know, the enter Palm Sunday, you know, and then it, it, it just, it's like a whole, the whole thing, you mm-hmm. know, uh, the crucifixion, all of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but if you remember what you would know as a deacon and uh, familiar with the liturgy, but like uh, there is a gospel before mass. Yeah. At the procession with palms. Mm-hmm. There's a gospel reading. Mm-hmm. Am I right or wrong? You're right. Okay. Thank you. So this is the, like the little hidden gospel and it's an awesome gospel reading. So this Sunday, if you're at Palm Sunday mass, when you're at Palm Sunday mass, there'll be a, you know, the blessing of the palms and a gospel reading. And then, you know, every church kind of does it different. You may process in, or you may just be in your pew, and then there's a the procession, and then you get, you know, start the 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 mass, right? The first reading, second reading, you know, psalm, second reading, and then the you know the gospel of the palms. The the gospel on the front end for the for the blessing of the palms is an amazing gospel reading, uh, and it's it's just you know I was reading it this morning. It's powerful. It's about you know. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem. But here, here's what's good. It says Jesus uh, and the disciples drew near to Jerusalem, and, and they went in, and then Jesus just gives them instructions, the the disciples. He says, go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find an ass tethered and a colt. Untie them. Uh, and if anyone should say to you anything, you just reply, the master needs needs these things, right? And he just gives them these simple instructions that we're going to unfold. And he just knew it was going to happen. And they just mm-hmm. did it. By this time, they just knew that whatever the Lord kind of wanted, it was going to happen, right? And yeah. so they, you know, at the beginning, of they were like, why Why do you want us to do that? Like, now, right. now they're like, oh, okay, of course. <laughs> and he just lays out these simple instructions of what's going to take place, and they just do it. And I'm really thinking about that, like how often in my life, like the Lord's instructions and path for us is very simple. Mm-hmm. And yet we fight it. Why, what, when, where, how, who, you know? And yet wh- what if we just, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to live? What are your instructions for me today? You know, this is the beauty of the church because the church gives us this way of living that gives us actual freedom in our life, you know? Mm-hmm. Rhythm of prayer, rhythm of the sacraments, a, a rhythm of, you know, community and accountability, all the things that we need to, to thrive in our life. Yeah. Well, and the mystery of uh, the incarnation is that God relates to us in a human relationship because he became man. And so God, who's divine, who's totally other, who we're nothing like in the sense of he's the creator, we're the creature. Mm -hmm. We image him, we're in his likeness, but on our own, we're nothing, right? Well, he becomes man, and now we can relate, we can relate to God in a human relationship. And... uh, Paul, I don't know if you know folks like this have had this encounter, but sometimes when we're talking about someone, um, a conversation can be all about them, right? What mm. they need, what they want, what they're... And then as a good person, we're like engaging and we're uh, asking them more questions, sure. But like we never actually have a mutual conversation about life, let's say. Right. You know, you, get, you see what I'm getting at? Yep. Well, with our Lord, it's the same thing. You know, when... With these instructions that you're bringing up, 
that the Lord gave the disciples. He's always leading us into a mutual friendship that benefits all because it's God's will. He's accomplishing the Father's will. And so our Lord is about something. And this is this is one of the weird things about following the Lord that we need to get through our heads. He has a mission that he's accomplishing that in a certain sense has nothing to do with me, right? Like in a certain sense that if if I don't want to be a part of it, he's still going to accomplish it. I mean, take Judas, for example, who threw himself out of that. Christ still accomplished his mission. Hmm. What did Christ really want Judas to do? I guess we'll never know in those contexts. But Christ is going to the cross to die for the salvation of the world. No one's going to stop him. They can't. But at the same time, he has an invitation to us to participate in his mission in a way that benefits us. And what I mean by that is when I ask the Lord today, Lord, what do you want from me? Part of it is going to be I need to help him accomplish his mission, which right now for Holy Week, it, it, that's often liturgical. What God is doing in the world is often liturgical. He's giving so much grace in this Holy Week to change hearts, to move mountains. He wants people invited to the liturgies. He wants people, uh, you know, their doors being knocked on and said, come to Mass with me. It's the, it's the, the most amazing and longest Mass of the year for the Easter ritual. Like these are the things, this is why the Lord is doing Easter hmm. this year. Right is because he wants people to be invited to it, right? Yeah. So I have to be about his business, but at the same time, he's about my business. He cares about my marriage. He cares about my job. He cares about what I'm struggling with or my heart. And he will bring me to healing and to a better place with that. So it's this mutual friendship with him where I'm worried about his mission, he's worried about mine. But I, you know, when I, when I ask the Lord for those instructions, those simple instructions... Whatever he says is about both of us, right? Like to make me, to bring me to salvation and also accomplish the mission he has from the Father. Yeah. So pay attention to this, re, the, the pre-reading, pre-gospel reading at Mass. You know, the cool thing at the end, and I'll share this, it says, you know, uh, so that, you know, he's entering Jerusalem, you know, Hosanna, the son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? Which is a Mass part. Um, Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem... It says this, the whole city was shaken mm. and asked, who is this? And that's what you're saying. Like this Easter is this awakening, this, this holy week. And I, you know, I just had that image of like, you know, like, Lord, shake us, like shake me, you know, like wake me up anew to you. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like shake the old things, but like shake me and wake me, you know, like, um, and, like what if what if that was our our holy what if that was Easter like that we would be shaken that we would be moved by God as his as his sons and daughters you know yeah sounds good sign and, me up and awaken to to new life well there's right. so much grace this week to do that so much right just it's, shake me Take one me. we have to show up that's one thing like go yeah. to the stuff right go to go be with the church for Holy Week for sure yeah yeah absolutely okay. But, um, we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back. Paying too much for healthcare and supporting services you don't believe in? Our sponsor, Solidarity HealthShare, has prices that are 60% less than the nation's average cost of healthcare. Join the nation's leading healthcare sharing ministry built by people of faith for people of faith, saving money through ethical and affordable healthcare. 
Call now to see how much you can save at 844-387-8533. That's Solidarity HealthShare, 844-387-8533. Welcome back to the show. <laughs> Deacon Adam is, is uh, in a mood, let's just say that. Very interesting mood, you know. I uh, want to remind everyone um, a good Easter book, Holy Grit. You know, get it. Uh, if you go to holygrit.org and type in Group Grit when you purchase it, you'll get a discount. Or Ave Maria Press or Amazon. Just type in Holy Grit. We get a discount. Oh, you get a discount on all those places? No, on just on your website. On your website, but uh, I do have a discount on Ave Maria Press um, that if people want it, they can get it. Mm-hmm. Still have it on the top of my mind, but yeah, that's okay. Yeah, so uh, thanks everyone for listening in today on the radio, KLFT Radio or the podcast, wherever you're listening. Glad you're a part of the show. You know, Holy Week is kind of like uh, crazy week. Like, so if you're not Catholic, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you probably think, what, what are they doing? You know, Lent, Ash Wednesday, and then you get to Holy Week where there's like the Triduum, you know, all the liturgies starting with Palm Sunday is not part of the Triduum, but it starts Holy Week. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, on Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, you know, the whole thing. And then, you know, we don't eat and we, you know, we don't sleep, (laughs) you know, whatever. And then we eat a lot. And then we eat a lot. And then it's like crazy. Yeah, mm-hmm. but people do have, you know, interesting Holy Week traditions around the world, don't you? Don't, mm-hmm. You know, what is the weirdest that you've read about? Well, I'm totally unprepared for this, but I'll just pull up this list of uh, <laughs> strange Holy Week customs from around the world. I'm kidding, I was prepared. But, um, yeah, it is. I mean, it is the time to proclaim the gospel in particular. It's like the week... For 2,000 years, we've set aside this week that we're going to tell people what happened, that our Lord came, died, rose again, sent us into the world. And so there's some very public, creative ways from around the world that that's done. Um, Yeah. So one of them is in, let's start in uh, England, okay? So what they do is they have this massive 36-foot-high cross that they march through town, and um, it becomes like this this large cross parade, let's say. And then they put put it outside of the city on the countryside for Holy Week, this massive cross, mm-hmm. um, and people come visit it. So that's pretty neat. I didn't know that happened in England. You did not know that. Mm-mm. No. Um, Jerusalem, like the city of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. They have, of course, this massive Palm Sunday procession, as you might imagine. Um, But it becomes, you know, I I think each year that this happens there, it gets, we kind of just take it for granted, but around Jerusalem are very non-Christian folks, right? Like you got the Jews that actually run the country. You have the Muslims who also consider it a holy city. Hmm. I mean, Christian activity in Jerusalem is not like, like for us it makes total sense. This is where Jesus died and rose again. Hmm. But think about the... the, uh, conflict or the or let's say not the conflict but the encounter between Christianity and non-Christian 
uh, worldview that happens every Palm Sunday. Like every time that there's this huge way of the cross through town, the same way of the cross that Jesus traveled, re-proclaiming the gospel to the same kind of people, the mm-hmm. Jews um, and those that are from the world, let's say. So I don't know. I, I want to go one year for, for that, for Holy Week in Jerusalem. Does that sound awesome? Yeah, it does. Well, apparently if you went, there's this massive thing you can take part in. You should do it. <sighs> I should. Yep. Um, all right. Just leave your kids. Leave your ID. Just go on. I'll be like Jean. Just be like Jean. Be dead. Just be dead there. <laughs> You're dead to me. Just live there with nothing. So, have you heard of? Uh, I know of at least two people that went on pilgrimage to the Holy Land and died on pilgrimage, like just their heart exploded, kind of thing. Sounds horrible. No, in a good way. Like you knew them personally. No, I've heard stories. Of, you've heard stories. So there's one, and over the over the centuries, there's one that literally went on Calvary and was just so taken by it mm. that they died out of love for the Lord. Really? Yeah. I couldn't think of a worse place to die. Well, then they died than on like, the hill of Calvary. Yeah. Um, all right. So the Philippines has this pretty strange. So on on um, Holy Thursday, okay. Mm-hmm. They have this tradition to help atone for the sins of the world before our Lord is, is placed on the cross. Um, they have participants on a cross, at least three, uh, actually nailed. Actually nailed? Yeah. Really? That sounds horrible. Like and what? on the yeah, no, and on the way, they're not crucified, all right, but there's they I don't know how this works exactly, but nails go through their hands. Right. But not like... Like at a place where you can take the nail out and you would just have a hole? I, yeah, I guess so. Okay. Um, one guy, apparently, who's participating this year, he's done it 22 times. He has. He's been nailed to a cross 22 times. Um, I mean, is, it, is that like... Uh, I mean... I, I don't, don't know. I don't know if... Self-mutilation yeah. sort of thing? Like, I don't know if that's a thing you should do. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, I've been like to like the living stations of the cross where it's like a live reenactment of the mm-hmm. stations of the cross, right? Mm-hmm. We go to on um, Good Friday. Um, and then, you know, they reenact it and, the, and then Jesus is on, you know, on the cross. But, you know, he's just, you know, with rope or whatever. Like they're not, I mean, come on. Now these guys are literally nailed to the cross. I mean, there must be a way they do this to where it's not like irreparable damage to your hand. Right. But, um, other participants who don't want to do that, they actually have this device with, with rope and bamboo sticks that they tie around their arm that as they walk, mm-hmm. it'll flog their back. And so they walk like a way of the cross type thing, getting flogged by these bamboo sticks mm-hmm. tied to their arm. Mm-hmm. And uh, one picture shows a back that's pretty beaten up. So they get into it in the Philippines. Sounds like it. Um, yeah. That's intense, man. That, yeah. hit, that hits me. So, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. So in Spain, um, they do something kind of similar. I didn't know this. They still do it. And Los, Picos, Los Picaos is what they call it in um, San Vicente, Spain. But they, they do a, a, a rope lashing of their back uh, for 20 minutes. They have participants that are like flogged like Jesus was flogged. Okay. Um, they started doing this in the, the 18th century, so it's not that ancient. No, I would do that. You would get flogged with rope? Well, like a pool noodle. Okay. You know the pool noodles? Oh, yeah. Like, you could do that. Like, you could do that to me, and I would I would take it. Yeah. Like, if you wanted to flog me with a pool noodle, 
I'd let you. Like a bunch of times? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, just the pool noodle, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I guess so you can go volunteer with that stipulation in uh-huh. Spain. I'll do it, guys, but... Just the pool noodle. Pool noodle. I'll get, have my own rope, let's say. Yeah. This is how we do rope back in America. This is what we do <laughs> in America, where we're comfortable. Oh, man. You know, um, I mean, if you would get flogged by something, what would you pick? I would say uh, like a gummy bear. I mean, a gummy worm. A gummy bear. <laughs> gummy worm. <laughs> I would just like put like gummy bears in like a dart gun and right. just shoot you. Like this yeah. is what I imagine. <laughs> no, gummy worm. Um, Build you with gummy bears. <laughs> De- Deacon Bear getting... Hey, that's with, a good idea. With gummy bears. That would that's be, a great idea. That would be perfect. <laughs> we should do that during Holy Week. Um, all right, so the final uh, custom is on a is less intense. But in Germany, I didn't know they, they still did this. But this started in 1982. But on Good Friday, they have a massive uh, Good Friday procession, passion play outdoors. But it's like a huge thing. Okay. To me, this kind of boggles my mind. Germany and other places in Europe, like they're losing faith so much, but yet you still have faithful Catholics, obviously. Yeah. yeah. But it attracts people. Like there's way too many people involved. There are tens of thousands of people in Binsheim, Germany, that that participates in this Stations of the Cross reenactment. I know a lot of them are not faithful people, right? It's just not, tradition. It's tradition. It's right. going on in town, and people participate. But, I mean, tens of thousands of people so if you're in Germany on Good Friday in Bensheim. That sounds like a place to be. That sounds like a place to be. Hmm. Um, so anyway, those are the more creative ways from around the world that people are getting into Holy Week this week. Um, what do you all do in your house? Any of those kinds of things? Well, we're going to start flogging, you know, and I think each other. Well, you could try the gummy bear would thing. Would be, you know, um, yeah, we might do that. You know, okay. we'll take take that on as a tradition. You know, what do you think? I mean, talk to your spiritual advisor. You know, when I was young and zealous, I, I thought about these types of things because you read about how saints did them, and then apparently in the Philippines they get really intense and they literally nail men to a cross, right, to atone for sins. And uh, you know, you read about these saints that did this. Think about Saint Ignatius of Loyola. He's in your book, but um, he on his conversion. Uh, he spent the night more than once in prayer vigil standing all through the night, right? So when I read that, it was one way for him to atone for past sins, but he literally stood in prayer in a church without sleeping all night. And uh, I was like, man, I want to do that. So anyway, I talked to my spiritual director, which is why you need spiritual directors. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to advise you to do that kind of thing. That was St. Ignatius. Here's the scenario. Um, so sometimes we need to be talked off the ledge of doing something foolish. Mm-hmm. But I've always wondered, am I just chickening out? Probably. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're probably chickening out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you said that you would be <laughs> flogged by gummy bears. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, like, like chickening out. like Yeah. I meant to say worms, but I'm glad I said bears because that yeah, makes more have, sense. We have these nerf, bear. nerf guns. You know, maybe we'll just load those up and pelt each other at home. You know, well, my spiritual director told me now he was a saintly man, but he said, "Look, Adam, um, you're young, you're married, and you have a computer and a phone. The thousands of temptations you go through a day are mm-hmm. plenty of like mortifications and self denials mm-hmm. that you don't need to invent 
painful new ways to yeah. mortify yourself. Now, he's a very holy man. He's no longer living and a saintly man, saintly priest. I've always wondered, you know, is that true? Do I really have that much? I don't know. Throughout the day. You kind of have to pray and ask the Lord. You know, it's kind of in the gospel. Jesus gave the disciples instructions and they did it. Right. Like, what's the Lord instructing me to, you know? You know, my wife has instructed me to not take on a fast that affects my family <laughs> to where I make them miserable by my fast. And and so, like, that's part of my, like, I got to respond to that. Like, I can't fast so much that I'm like, I push it on to other people and make it miserable. Like, if I, you know, if I'm going to be hangry or angry or moody, it's like, well, I mean, that's not like helping other people, you right. know? And it's probably obviously not helping me. So I need to... You know, I, I I would say, like, this has been my most disciplined Lent ever. Congrats. That's awesome. And I only say that because, like, I went in with a plan. I've stuck to it. I have three men's groups I'm a part of that mm-hmm. are accountable. I uh, <clears throat> I've only implemented three. the three things that the church simply ask, right? Prayer, mm-hmm. fasting, and almsgiving. I decided to do those things specifically and I stuck to them but I did some hard things too that were a balance of really pushing me and yet not pushing it on other people Mm. Mm -hmm. you know does that make sense yeah so that's why I'm excited a lot of wisdom there yeah I bet yeah you know so here here's one of the the debates in our house is that um, Lent ends on Holy Thursday. True or false? True. The season of Lent ends on Holy Thursday. Holy Thursday evening. Holy True. Thursday evening because we begin the season of the Triduum, right? Yes. Okay. And then Easter's on Sunday. So does can your fast end, your Lenten fast end on Holy Thursday, the evening? That's the great debate in our home. I would say yeah. You would say yeah? What we normally do is Holy Thursday night, we actually have a big uh, supper, like the Last Supper. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, like, after the Holy Thursday Mass, yeah. we go... The washing of the feet. We typically go to the Olive Garden. <gasps> We've talked about this. The Garden of Olives. Yes. And just eat whatever we want to okay. eat. Because it's a good Friday, you're fasting all day. Exactly. It's a big old meal, so that Friday, I'm just not going to eat anything. And, um, and then Holy Saturday, it's pretty subdued, because mm. Jesus is in the tomb, but then... Easter Vigil. Okay. You come out the gate after the Easter Vigil. I mean, just rum, 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 rum. All the candy, all the whatever. Yum, yum, yum. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I, I would recommend Holy Thursday. You get a good old meal. Uh, But, I mean, if you have particular things, like I'm not going to, uh, you know. I think I'm going to keep my fast till Easter. But I'm going to, yeah, like I'm going to celebrate Holy Thursday evening, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. It wouldn't be a fasting moment, let's say Holy Thursday night. Right. But your uh no, your penance is like if, if you're if you gave up uh warm showers or something like that, do that Thursday. Okay. Like if you shower before you go to bed, take a cold shower Thursday. So there's some things I gave up for Lent that I'm not gonna sh- share publicly that I won't ever go back to. That's what I'm talking about. Like really. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, like certain foods or drinks, things like that. Wow, good for you. That I'm just going to weed out of my life forever. Sounds that's amazing. Crazy. Yeah. No, that's great. Like I felt so good without them that I'm just not doing it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Look at that. Yeah. Lent worked. Yeah, it worked. 
Okay. Yeah, it made me feel better. Well, off air, you're going to have to give me a little list. Physically, spiritually, mentally. No, it hasn't been easy. It's been hard. And and I have been grumpy at times. I mm-hmm. haven't I haven't embraced it with joy all the time. But like it's been you know what I'm saying? Like But now you're you're detoxed from it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine if I was one of those guys who signed up to get my hand nailed to a cross, like that might that might uh how long does that take to heal? Like I just don't see that Maybe it doesn't. It's kinda like uh have you ever gotten like one of those studs in your ears? Oh yeah. Like in you know the big circles yeah. that expand your like earlobe, yeah. it never goes back. So maybe they just have a hole in their hand their whole life. Oh my goodness! And they just slip the nail through it. How gross is that? Yeah, I'm gonna have to look into this because it can't be a huge nail, mm-hmm. and it can't be through the palm of the hand. There, I have some people in my life that I would volunteer for them to get nailed to a cross. Really? Yeah, I would volunteer them to do it. Why is that? Just because I think it would be great for them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they need something kind of yeah, yeah, more yeah. intense. Hey, you should do this. It would be great for you, and I get to enjoy when it. When I heard that they did this, I thought of you. And I and I just want to watch you get nailed. So it's kind of like the mug thing. It's yeah. like, hey, this suits you. Yeah, if you ever talked your friend into doing like a something that you knew was going to hurt them, and you just wanted to watch it. Like, hey, jump off that diving board, like, (laughs) backwards, blindfolded. No, I've never done that. Like a practical joke. And then you're just like, it's going to go bad, and I get to watch it. Never done that, no. Mm. I have Maybe maybe that's just my sick imagination. (laughs) I think it is. (laughs) I have led friends into, like, embarrassing situations um, on purpose, but not, like, hurtful ones. Hmm. Okay, so last question for you on the six-pack of questions that we didn't do. Yes. Uh, since you're the chief liturgist of the show. Oh, boy. Just of the show, nowhere else. Right. Right, you don't have that title anywhere else. No. Um, but you are a chaplain. You're a deacon, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, what would be your top spiritual advice for folks going into Holy Week? So from Palm Sunday through the True to One. My top advice would be to realize that the liturgical moment, it, think of liturgy like a play or like a movie. A story. A story. Unfolding. But it's, it's constantly unfolding, right? Like it has a start and an end. When you start a movie, it's still the movie until there's the end. And when you're watching a play, the play begins, you might have... An intermission, right? You might have like a little break. Mm-hmm. You might have um, three acts, mm-hmm. whatever. But the play is not over until it's over, right? The, the, there's an end to it. The Holy Week liturgies begin Palm Sunday, that first gospel you were talking about. Mm-hmm. They don't end until Easter. And everything in between is part of that liturgy. So when you go to work, when you go home, when you go anywhere, when you have a, any conversation that week, it's all within the context of this holy week, this liturgy that is ongoing. And you might have these intermissions, right? Like you leave church, you go back home, but it's, it's, the play is still going, right? And so we should participate well in Holy Week as much as we can, keeping our attention focused on what is happening, that's why we're doing Holy Week. And so if you're going to have a conversation during Holy Week as much as you can, why not make it about what's happening? Hmm. You know, what did our Lord do on Monday or on Tuesday? The gospel readings that we read today, how do they impact me? Just one week out of the year, make everything about Jesus. That's the whole point, <laughs> right? Like it's hard for 52 weeks to only talk about the Lord, maybe. 
But for one week, can we do that? Yeah. For one week, can we can we participate well? So my number one advice would be think of Holy Week as a week because it is. It's a week of liturgies that are one big liturgy. One and story. One story. And uh, the more you enter in, the more you participate well, then the grace of it actually happens to you. You do get this new life. You do have a conversion experience. You do meet the Lord on Calvary and then rise with him in the, in, on Easter Sunday. It does happen. Hmm. That's the longest piece of advice I've ever gotten. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. I don't think it is. You don't think so? I think you've given long. That advice. was like a six pack of questions total in one question. Thanks, man. Yeah, like you, you basically took all <laughs> six and put it in. Well, one, somebody's got to do it. One bottle, yeah. and, and we drank it, that's, and it tastes good. good. Yeah. So have a great uh, Holy Week, everyone. We'll be. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, reconnecting next week. Um, have a great week. Uh, share the show, be a part of it. Thanks to Kel FT radio, our sponsors, everyone on the podcast. Um, you want to get the book, go to holygrit.org or Amazon. Um, and, uh, yeah, read about the saints and, uh, authentic masculinity. It's really good. Um, and thanks to Deacon Adam. And we'll talk to you guys next week. God bless.